It's great to be with you over this weekend and to share just today in the uh, act of uh, act of uh, induction and all the joy around that, and to be able to share in your anniversary today. I love the church. I love the local church. I've been a Baptist minister now for 30 years. And um, don't all shout out, Matt, that's not possible. You're only about 10 years. What are you thinking? Uh, but I love the church. But we don't always get things right in the church, do we? And uh, I thought I'd just uh, show you an example of that. Um, these are notices that have appeared genuinely in church magazines. So let's have the first one. Next weekend's fasting and prayer conference in Whitby includes all these. <laughs> what about this one? Don't let worry kill you off. Let your church help. <laughs> and what about this? Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> And what about this? At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be What is Hell? Come early and listen to the <laughs> Last few. The church will host an evening of fine dining, super entertainment, and gracious hostility. <laughs> Last two. I love these two. Low self-esteem support group will meet on Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back <laughs> And finally, Weight Watchers will meet at 7 at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large You can't believe that those are really in church notices, can you? As I said, I, I desperately love the church. And I want to see the church grow and flourish. And my experience over 30 years as a minister, my experience as a regional minister, is that the church doesn't always get it right. We are very much an organisation made up of ordinary people. We're a work in progress, you and I. But with the help of God's Holy Spirit, at work among us, we should be and can be becoming more like Jesus. And more like the community that he wants us to be, more like the people he wants us to be. We should be, as a church of Jesus Christ, seeing the power of God at work amongst us in our individual lives and in our community together as a church. And in fact, this is what we see Paul pray for here in his prayer for the church. And on this anniversary Sunday, I can't think of anything at the start of a new ministry, anything that I could pray better for you than Paul's prayer for you, that he prayed in these verses for the church. Not just the church here at Lincoln, but his church throughout the world. And what's his vision? What's his hope? What's his prayer for you this morning? Firstly, that we might realise the true power of Christ in our lives. That we might realise the power of Christ in our lives. See, this vision is for the church, 
but it's also for each individual Christian here this morning. That we might know something of the quality of God's love for us, for you and me, and for this world. That costly love that cost him his son. That's how valuable you are. That's how deeply God loves you this morning as an individual, how much he loves the church. A strong love that won't let us go. A love that we can never get the measure of. A love that we can't run away from. A love that we can never exhaust. And a love that we can never begin to fathom the depth of. And it's as we come to know that love of God for us, friends, and begin to just scratch the surface of how deeply God is committed to you and me and to this church. When we begin to live in the light of that love, when we begin to share that love with other people, it's then that we begin to realise something of its true power in our lives because that love transforms us. But it also transforms your church community. And it begins to transform the community that you touch beyond the walls of this church. That's the power of God's love at work within the church, within our mission. Verse 17 tells us that realising the power of Christ begins by having Christ come to dwell in our hearts. He prays for doesn't it? That Christ may dwell in your hearts in faith. But surely every Christian has Christ dwelling in their hearts, don't they? Of course you do. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to confirm that and to work to make us more like Jesus. But did you know that the Holy Spirit works in our lives to the degree to which we let him? He works in our lives to the degree to which we allow him to work in our lives because we have free will. And you know this word dwell that's used here? It can mean a passerby who stops in for a cup of tea, then leaves again. Or it can mean a person who settles down to live in a place. So what really Paul is praying is that there should be no barrier to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That we shouldn't treat God's work in our lives, Christ's presence through his Holy Spirit in our lives, like a lodger who comes and goes and has access to bits of the house. Have you ever been on one of those holidays where you find a room locked in the house that you've rented? <laughs> or a cupboard? Have you experienced that or is it just me and the third I'm coming and from Yorkshire? <laughs> But sometimes you go to these places and there's a whole section of the house that you can't get into because you're just a lodger, a temporary visitor. But what this verse is saying is when you invite Christ into your life, open the whole thing. Invite him to stay, not just to stay, to be the head of the house, to be family. I'm one of nine children. Seven boys and two girls. We lived in a three-bedroom council house. Uh, there were seven boys in one room. 
Uh, and six beds, you work it out. <laughs> I revive the memory of that room because it smelled awful. <laughs> but one day, my brother Norman came home with a guy called Raymond and said to me that Raymond's had a fallout with his dad. Can he stay overnight? My dad said, Yeah. Four years later, <laughs> Raymond was still there. I grew up, I was younger than Raymond, I was one of the youngest in my family. Raymond just became another brother to me growing up. He had access, he was treated like family, he called my mum and dad, mum and dad. He came to dwell. You know, what this verse is saying here is if we want Christ to transform us, if we want to know the power of Christ in our lives, if you want to know the power of Christ in your life, in your community, in your church, Invited to rule your house. To be able to go into all those rooms where there are difficult memories and cobwebs and things you've not thought about and dealt with for a long time. And give you the power and the permission to change you. He wants to be master there. He wants us to know the strength and the power that is available to us, that inner strength. F.F. Bruce called it that we can be fortified, graced, invigorated by the Holy Spirit at work within us. I used to have a really, um, had a bad temper. I'm kind of typical short, angry, northern man, kind of syndrome, you know? Um, and actually, I've still got a temper. But over the years, what God has done is he's made my fuse very long, you know? So I don't go shouting at my church members anymore. Just, that's a good lesson. <laughs> you know, when somebody says something really aggravating, I say, use this, and they're like, oh, thank you so much, man. I'll bear that in mind. If I've said that to any one of you, it's not so angry. <laughs> God wants access. If you want to know the power of God to transform your life, then when you invite Jesus in, you've got to give him it all. You've got to give him full reign, full access, full control. Because when you do that, friends, you'll be transformed. But you know, when you do that as a church, your church will be transformed. And you won't be able to fight people off wanting to come into this place and be part of you. Because there will be something different here that they can't experience in the world. The life-transforming power of Jesus Christ, what we call the gospel. Paul goes on to say that realising this true power of Christ in our lives comes through being rooted and grounded in love. Daniel prayed that I might be rooted and grounded in God's love. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We know this, don't we? In God's new society, love is the key virtue. Love for God and love for one another. And it's this spirit-inspired love that enables us to reach out to one another across the cultural divides, racial divides, social boundaries that separates us so easily. He wants them to have an inner strength of the Holy Spirit so that they might love one another more. 
with that genuine, costly love. That isn't, by the way, a love that makes us a doormat. It isn't a love whereby we always agree all the time. I remember in my last church, one of our old members, and we agreed we would knock the building down and build a new church. And I think it was Herb Winkle that laid the foundation stone, being the architect for this kind of Victorian building that we were in. And she was, when we were having a gift day towards us, she saw me and said, What am I supposed to do? I said, When you're Baptist, you really check up and decide how much you're going to give. Went down well as you can imagine. <laughs> and she started to cry. But she said something to me that both upset me but pleased me at the same time. She said, I didn't love you so much, Mark, to leave the church. This is the love that God can have and work with us, where we can love one another so much that actually the issues that we disagree on become less. Because the love is the key thing that binds us together. Love for God first. Love for his mission. Love for what he is asking us to be and to do. If our lives are rooted and grounded in this love, then God will challenge some of our attitudes in our lives. But he'll give us the power to change them. God will challenge us to forgive those people who've hurt us. But he'll give us the power to do it. With genuine forgiveness. Not that I'm just pretending forgiveness. He'll challenge us to persevere when things are tough and give us the power to do it. He'll challenge us to love the unlovable and give us the power to do it. He'll challenge us to try the unbelievable and give us the faith to do it. The power of love at work in our lives makes us more like Jesus. Paul prays that you and I might know that power. That it might be deeply rooted within us. <coughs> a love broad enough to embrace the whole of humanity. A love long enough to last to all eternity. A love deep enough to reach even the furthest person away from him that you can imagine. A love high enough and it takes us up to heaven itself. And he goes on to tell us that this love is so great. Did you notice this? That the only way that we can really begin to understand it is together with all the saints. What does that mean? Well, my love and knowledge of God's love is my experience. Your experience of God's love might be different. When we meet together and we hear one another's stories about how God has worked in your life, though it's different to mine, I get a new idea of how God works, how God can meet that one, how forgiving God's lovers had to be to reach that person, how patient God's lovers had to be to reach that person, how generous God's lovers had to be to reach that person. And it's when we share those stories together with all the saints that we realise God's love is bigger than I can imagine. It's bigger than just my experience. That's why it's important that we don't neglect meeting together. Because the sum of our parts in our worship and our meeting together is greater than us as an individual. Paul also says that realising the 
true power Christ in our lives comes from being filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, he says in verse 19. All of us as Christians have got room for growth, haven't we? Are you still awake? <laughs> yeah? All of us has got room for growth. We are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, continually opening, opening new areas of our lives to Him and His control, because as I said at the start, we're a work in progress. But He prays, Paul, that His readers might be filled with all the fullness, all the perfection of God. Wow. Wow, think about that. Continually growing more like Jesus because Christ is the fullness of God. You mustn't, at Lincoln Baptist Church, grow comfortable. When everything's going well, and I hope and pray, you know it is now, will be in the future. You mustn't get to a point where you think, we've made it. In my last church, we got to a point where we'd outgrown the building and we uh, we started to have two services. And I think about building a new building uh, down the road. And I remember one of our older ladies, older members, loved to fix actually, she was lovely. Uh, she was one of the people who originally said, when I went to preach at the church, why can't we have a minister like him? And they called me, so I, <laughs> I love this lady tremendously. But she said at one point, can't we stop now? Church is full. We can pay all the bills. There's a great atmosphere. Worship's great. Can't we stop all these new people from coming? <laughs> <laughs> Send them to the church. God, they're really struggling. So I said to her, well, actually, what they really need is people like you. Committed, mature Christians. Will you go road? Modern traditionalists. Yeah. It used to be that we don't sing from the organ in, we don't have to sank it in. But where are you modern traditionalists? One gets to a point where they say, it's good enough now, let's not change it, let's not keep reaching out, let's not keep having new ideas, let's not keep doing mission, keep seeking to grow the church. Well, we mustn't become that. We've got to be changed. 2 Corinthians says we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. We're on a continual journey, both as individuals and as a church. We must allow ourselves to grow comfortable. Please speak for a while, so we'll be starting to The last verses in this prayer are my favourite verses in Scripture. They're also my favourite verses in ministry because I was called from a rough council estate in Leeds with no education and this accent, Yorkshire if you don't know it, <laughs> and when God called me I said you've got to be kidding, there are really intelligent people out there, really articulate people, posh people that you could call and God said no, calling you. To do beyond what you can imagine. To do beyond what you could. My first week at Bible College, I'd gone to a school that was so poor 
because the second bottom of the league table is the closest school and they knocked it down. When I went to college, I realized my school had never had a rival. So in my first week of college, when they said, here's the list of books you've got to read, I realized when I went to that, I didn't know how to find the book in the library. And I went home and literally cried to my right hand, what am I doing here? But God can do remarkable things. He can do it in your life. I know that because he's in my life. He can do it in your life. Whatever it is he wants you to do, he'll equip you, he'll give you the gifts, if you open it up to him. And say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you need in your church in the coming season of ministry now, God can do beyond what you can imagine. Beyond what you can even think of yet, God can do. Do you believe that? Oh, you mumble. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even imagine yet in your ministry here, Daniel. Can't imagine what you're going to ask God for. More importantly, you can't imagine what God's going to ask you to do as a church. And all He wants from you is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know this verse where it says God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. It can be translated immeasurably more, vastly more, infinitely more. In my last church, when eventually we realised we needed a new building, we drew up a plan. And uh, the plan for the new building was going to cost about a million pounds. And Lord took a wrinkle and said, and then it took us uh, about 11 years to find a piece of land. And by the time we found a piece of land, uh, um, we had to redo a plan because the church had continued to grow. The plan was going to cost 4.5 million pounds. <laughs> To be built, and I've got my office outline. God said, Time for you to move on, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> my son is now ministering training at my old church, and he's in my office, <laughs> which is really annoying. <clears throat> I want to just say to you, let's, let's just ground this. Do you believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can? Yes. When Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, we have resurrection power available to us. We have his resurrection power available to us as individuals and as a church. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is active in our churches and in our lives. So I just say to you, let's ground it. Do you believe it for that difficult situation that you're facing in your life? Do you believe it for the difficult situations that come up in church life? Do you believe it for that difficult person? Do you believe it for that hospital appointment that you've got coming? Do you believe it for that hurt that you're experiencing? Do you believe it for that new thing that God is calling you to do and to be? Do you believe it for that new season of ministry 
that you have it now that God is able to do immeasurably more. Do you believe it for the challenges that lie ahead? And there will be challenges that lie ahead. I pray God bless you with growth beyond what you could imagine. But believe me, I've experienced this. There are all kinds of challenges come from that. Do you believe it for the start of a new ministry? That God is able to do far more abundantly than all you ask or imagine. Because this is a bit, friends, that bit of the verse that we often miss. By his power that's at work, guess where? Within you. You've got to play your part. God works these things wonderfully and graciously. He works them through us. Through his power at work in your life and in this church. Do you believe that he's able to do far more than you can here at Lincoln Baptist Church? Do you believe that he's going to get you to help to do it? Yeah. 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 Will your answer still be yes? When it gets tough, when it's challenging, when Daniel rings you and you say, oh no, but this is on the line. <laughs> he's going to ask me to do something. Yes, he is! Will the answer still be yes? Here I am, Lord. Use me. Use me for your glory. You know, friends, we serve a wonderful God. And I think part of the problem with the church today is we don't believe the gospel. We don't believe that the power that Jesus has given to us is available to us. We don't call on it. But we believe God is able to do far more. That blows my mind. I can imagine big things, but nothing near what God would accomplish. I'm just going to finish with this little story. We'll finish the PowerPoint now. Actually, just going to finish with a little story. When we were doing this building project, I told you we redrew it. It came up to four and a half million, and people have been giving. A lot of money to the church. Forgive me if I've told you this before. Uh, somebody in the church came up and said, Michael, I've got a word from God for you. This coming Sunday, you've got to stand at the front of the church and tell people, 40 people, that they've got to give £25,000 more than they've already given, uh, which is a million pounds. Uh, 40 people, you've got to call them out. God said they've got to give more. What we do as pastor, I said, Oh, thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that to my leaders' meeting. Fully expecting the deacons to say, You've got to be kidding. So I said to the deacons, oh, This person says this. 40 people want me to call out. I'm kind of a bit. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to deal with this. And then the person next to me said, I'll be number one. And the next person said, me and my wife will be number two and number three. That's 50 grand there, isn't it? The next person said, I'll be number four and number five. And by the time we've gone halfway around the direction, I'll start to get rude because I have got 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time we got halfway around the leaders, it's 375,000 on top of what we already did. That was challenging. And I stood up in church. And called 40 people and 40 people gave extra. And it's challenging and it's scary, but it's miraculous and wonderful. So I say to you, friends, I'll leave you this. Do you believe in the God who is able to do 
far more abundantly. All you can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within you, the gifts he's given you, the money he's given you, the resources he's given you, he will work miracles through you if you say, Here am I. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this church. I thank you for Daniel. Uh, thank you for his calling to this church uh, and for Malin. Lord, would you put your hand of blessing on them? Lord, would you do through them more than they could ever imagine that you will do? But Lord, would you do through each of us in this church more than we could ever imagine? And Lord, might your love be rooted and grounded in this place, in our lives. Might we see it transforming us, transforming this church, transforming the community that we serve. Might we be able to point to the miracles that God is doing, the mind-blowing things that God is doing through us. And Lord, might we give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, would you help us to trust your word and put our faith in the God whose resurrection power is available to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.